This happened years ago in a place called Lone Pine in California. I was with my family at a friend's cabin. One day I was climbing on some large rocks, and turned and sat on a large rock and looked down the road. I could see a person coming up the road and started to get an uneasy feeling. I decided to watch this person and see what he did. Shortly he looked up towards me and then off to my left, and stopped and it looked like he was watching me. So he's still a ways off and yet... Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This creepy feeling is getting more intense, and he stops and looks up again at me and he starts running up the road and then I can see it's my younger brother. So I don't know why this voice in my head is screaming danger and then my brother drops on one knee and fires his rifle at me. I flipped over backwards and started crawling in the dirt. He fired a few more and I crawled out of the rocks and ran to the cabin. So my brother comes running up and he's asking are you alright? And I reply only because you missed me, a hole. Then he says I was shooting at the monster behind you. I don't know what it was. But it moved around the rocks toward you and I only saw part of it, and then it was on the rock above you and started reaching, and it was huge and I knew you couldn't hear me shouting at you to run. This place was supposedly haunted, everyone that I know whoever stayed there has a creepy story to tell. If you are from Lone Pine I'll bet you've heard of the place. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. My husband and I were out in SoCal for a brief visit, and he thought he'd show me the sights. This preserve is a well-known migratory bird resting place, and is lush and green with cottonwoods, eucalyptus, native Washingtonian palms, and thick underbrush. An underground aquifer runs into a fault line and has created this natural oasis in the desert. So I'm ooing and aahing at all the bizarre spiky plants, even the leafy plants there have thorns, and he says, let's see where where this trail over here goes. We follow the trail under a broadleaf canopy and a bridge takes us over a slow-moving body of water. The water is crystal clear and sparkles as it moves past rushes and over the gently rippled sandy bottom. The air is pleasant and cool under here and we point out things of interest to each other, a bird, a dragonfly, some large tracks in the sand in the shallows. The prints where the animal had crossed the bridge were mostly dry. The trail forks and we take the lesser, more intriguing branch through the denser underbrush. The pavement ends abruptly but the path continues, narrower, hemmed in by leafy shrubs and their sharp-edged leaves. The canopy drops and we crouch, but we are most definitely on a well-worn people trail, not an animal trail. It was all very different being in this jungle-like oasis, and we could hear other tourists jabbering on like ourselves not very far off. Up ahead we can see sunlight, and we're chatting away noisily about this and that and who knows what anymore. Sure enough, ten feet more and we are through, and the path widens into an airy wood. Except there's this bee's nest in the ground we have to cross. The bees haven't regarded our arrival yet, and I'm chatting on about the size of the bees, when my husband repeats himself to stand very still. Hmm, I'm thinking, is it the bees? I heard they have killer bees in SoCaland. And I feel the creepiest feeling that something, a big something, was watching us. He wasn't talking about the bees. It was watching him. It made his skin crawl. It was watching me. Watching my back. I swear the thing was behind me, but all we could see were the dense shrubs and their prickly leaves. 
we very quietly retraced our path. Back on the pavement we let our guard down a little. The goosebumps subside. How silly of us, we say to each other, to have gotten each other so worked up, like scared little children around a campfire. We follow the main trail as it swings its course through the park, but now our comments are hushed. We remind ourselves that nothing was there, yet our nervous glances search the shadows beyond. What kind of harm could befall us in such a pampered, paved, well-visited locale? We ride this cajoling roller coaster for a while, the hair pricking our skin one minute, the next we're giddy with relief. A fellow tourist up ahead has his camera pointed at us. Three small, excited children are straining to see in the direction we came from. Did you see it? Did you see it? He asks us, as hyper as his children. It was this big, he pantomimed its length, and it stood over there, and he pointed to where we had just walked from, it paused then went that way, he pointed to an area the path had curved around, he pointed directly to where we had stood, to where we had stood trapped between the thorn brush and the bees. Not more than five minutes ago. Surely you saw the mountain lion. No. We didn't. We looked at each other. My husband said to him, maybe now's not a good time to be out here with small children. That's a really bold cat to walk in front of you like that. You know, cats have been known to eat people. Nah. Not here. I'm going to get its picture this time. And the kids got to see a real live cat. This is great. We left him and his family there. The cat wasn't hungry that day. Later that same year a woman was mauled and killed at that park. It's a nice park. Lots of spiky leaf plants. Lots of wildlife. If you ever have the chance to do some birding there, by all means, go. I've kind of got a creepy one. A family member of mine owns about 200 acres of land in eastern Tennessee. Ever since I was a kid me my dad, uncles and cousins had always gone out there to camp, hang out and target shoot. Well we normally cheated a bit and camped out in my dad's truck bed instead of a tent because the truck has a topper. Well when I was about 13 I wanted to try out my dad's new tent so he set it up and we tried it out that night. So we have a fun day and everyone heads to bed. In our tent was me my dad and my cousin. We all eventually fall asleep, about oh halfway through the night I wake up because I hear something outside of the tent. As him lying in the tent I start to hear coyotes yipping and barking. We had left the fire burning so by the light of it I was able to see coyotes shadows walking by the fire. By now I'm wide awake and freaked out. I closed my eyes to try and ignore them but then I start to feel something touching my side. I open my eyes and see a coyote's shadow right beside me. The thing starts poking me in the side with its nose. I snapped my eyes shut, it kept poking me but then just left. I didn't hear anything the rest of the night but I didn't go to sleep. The next morning I asked my dad and cousin if they had seen what I had, they said they had heard them in the distance but they never got close. It still freaks me out to this day and now I always sleep with a weapon a little closer. Another time on the same land me and my dad gets the great idea to go for a little night hike to the cave where my cousins were at. 
So we start walking down this trail and then it hits us. It's dark, it's really freaking dark and really quiet. Never in my life had I seen my dad scared but when my body got ridged I saw his did too. When I saw him put his hand on his gun I got really scared. After a second he just says run. We both tear off down this path and bolt back to the trucks and the fire. The next day we found something really scary. No joke, we found 10 and yes we counted 10 dead dogs all in a big pile right near the trail me and my dad we walking down. Don't know why they were there and didn't stick around, we left later that day and I haven't been to that part of the land since. My father owned 65 acres, not too far from our house. I used to camp out there with friends and whatnot, as it was a beautifully wooded area. My father decided to try to make a profit, and develop the land. This happened when it was still in the early phases, but the roads were in. The roads made it nice really since one was right by the campsite my friends and I had made. One night a new girlfriend and I thought it would be fun to go have a fire outdoors at my campsite. So we drove in and walked the short distance and started the fire up and got cozy. Without going into detail as to what was distracting us, I first heard the noise. It was hard to describe at first, since it was so faint. Then I heard it again, this time she heard it too. The fire had died down, and without a flashlight I scrambled for some wood and lighter fluid to stoke the fire. I heard the noise a third time, this time I heard it clearly as it was quite loud. I knew what it was now. Someone was slashing my tires. It was a loud noise of air escaping through a large hole. I told her what I thought it was after I heard the fourth tire go. Every time it was louder, I assumed it was the way they were moving around the car. I had a knife and large metal rod I used for a poker, they were now my weapons of defense. Then my fifth tire was slashed. Wait, fifth? Okay wasn't my tires thank god, but what was it? I realized too, that fifth sound was very close. I finally found the lighter fluid, flared the fire for some light just as I heard the sixth sound. It was maybe 40 feet away at that point. A strange, grunting, hissing, metallic sound. I started to think my friends were out there messing with us. They knew we were heading there, and what better time to play a prank like this, as Blair which had just come out a couple months earlier. The sound did remind me of some of the noises from the movie too. The seventh sound, after I flared the fire up, whatever was making it had taken a 90 degree from us. I breathed a sigh of relief, grabbed my girlfriend's hand and lead her out of there. What was it? Well, these were the days before I camped a lot, and knew little about the woods. According to a co-worker, who I told the story to the next day and was an avid hunter, it was a deer. Some sort of mating call I guess. Scared me though to say the least, and I realized I deserved it since I had broken a big horror movie rule, being in the woods, doing what we were doing. Live and learn. This happened in the early spring the mountains. The forest service had just opened the fire road to vehicle traffic. There were still spots of snow and mud on the roads. I was going to go target shooting. Alone. 
I drove back in the road for several miles. Very few people had been back this far yet in the season. My tracks were the first in the snow and mud that I could see. I found a small clearing just off the main road slash trail. As I was setting up some targets I kept having a strange feeling of something watching me. I had the need to turn around quickly every few minutes to check my six. Every time I turned I saw nothing strange, yet I still had a very strong weird feeling. I started to get even more creeped out because I knew I was the first vehicle on the road for a good while, yet I felt something or someone was near and watching. I tried to man up and shake the weird feelings. I walked the perimeter of the clearing with gun in hand trying to put my fear at ease but found nothing odd. I started to try and focused on my shooting but could not shake the feeling that something bad was going to happen. I soon gave up target shooting and packed up the target stands. Before leaving I decided to hike up the road a bit to a lookout spot and get a good look around. I was about 800 yards up the road when my insides started screaming for me to get the hell out of there now. As I started down the road back to the truck I saw tracks in the mud that made my blood run cold. It was a huge paw print, and it was on top of one of my boot tracks. I was scared for several reasons. One was the print was huge and very, very fresh. Like minutes old. Second, the cat was not afraid of all the shooting, so it was not very afraid of me. Then the thought hit me. I was being hunted. I was terrified. I spun around several times and saw nothing. I had a huge urge to run to the truck but kept thinking that would be stupid. I did not know what to do so I backed up to a tree, gun in hand and tried to gather my thoughts about the situation. Finally after sitting against the tree listening intently for any sound and hearing nothing I decided to make my way back to the truck very slowly moving from tree to tree. When I finally made it back to the truck I was surprised to see more fresh tracks in the mud near the truck. Quickly I got in and left. I never saw the animal, but I think it was a very hungry mountain lion. We had reports of several sightings in the local mountains later in the year. I try and listen to my little voice, this time I should have left way earlier but I was trying to be cool and not act like a wimp. The next time I heard my little voice I acted and things turned out differently. The setting for this is very important to start and understand the fear, true danger and vulnerability of the situation I was in. I was on my motorcycle trying to take a shortcut through the desert at night. I was reading my Honda ST1300, this is a sport slash touring street bike, think small gold wing that when loaded is easy 750 plus pounds the shortcut was a road on a map and the GPS. I had traveled 30 miles from the last turn off in town when I started down the shortcut road. I had not seen a car for a very long time and it was very late and completely dark. The first 8 miles on the shortcut were fine rough pavement but fine. As I moved along the road turned to well-maintained dirt, gravel, I kept going thinking that it would get better and I only had another 30 miles to go. After another 10 miles of good dirt the road started to degrade into a very rough trail. And small parts of good road. I was completely focused on dodging the large rocks, deep sand and keeping the bike upright so I was not thinking clearly about the situation I was getting into. My speed was no faster than 10 to 12 miles an hour max.
The thought of turning around and retracing all that rough-slash-difficult road and the constant hope of the road getting better kept me grinding along. After an hour of the slow-moving trial I could see in the moonlight a small mountain range and I knew the road went though them and on the other side was a main highway. I was excited, until I saw the lights of another vehicle moving towards me. It was then I was shocked when I realized the vulnerable situation I was now in. No one knew where I was, no cell service, alone, at night, in the desert, at 12 am it was still over 100 degrees, and on a bike that could not be driven fast over that terrain. Not good. I have always felt safe on the bike because I could ride away. Not this time. Not on this road. Impossible. For then next 30 minutes I watched as we closed in on each other. I saw no reason in running as I knew they would catch up before I could get back to good road and escape. I could see the truck slowly moving down the mountain road towards me. The whole time my mind raced with thoughts of the movie Deliverance and a truck full of bad guys just waiting to robe and or kill me out here in BFE and no one would ever know what happened to me. I was scared. I knew I could not outrun the truck, I could not turn off the road and I was alone in the dark. My mind raced for a solution. I finally made a plan. I pulled to the side of the road and retrieved my Glock and two extra mags from the side bags. That made me feel a lot better, I would go down fighting at least. We were now within a half mile of each other. I stopped again on the side of the road and got ready for my finial stand. My heart pounding. Part of the plan was I had put my camel back full of water on, had several power bars, a good knife and several flashlights in my jacket pockets. My plan was, if they attacked, I would run off into the desert darkness and then survive until I could fight back and win or get help. I was ready as I could be. I left the bike running with the lights on low beam. I had moved off the road a few feet and kept the Glock hidden in my pocket. As the truck approached, my fear of the impending battle was intense. 100 yards the truck did something completely unexpected. It sped up to an insane speed for that road. The truck was bouncing hard and I could hear the tire spinning, motor revving, and the truck bottoming out the suspension as it impacted the ground after each bump. I stepped further off the road and watched as the truck raced past me in a cloud of billowing dust and crashing noises. As it passed, I could see two males and a girl in the cab staring with terror at me though the windows. After another 50 yards the truck slowed to a more reasonable pace and just kept going never to be seen again by me. I started to laugh at myself. I had worked myself up thinking they were going to get me, but they seemed way more scared than me. I just sat down and laughed for a while as I watched the red tail light slowly disappear across the desert. I was however exhausted from all the stress even though things turned out fine, I was still wore out. After a short rest, I started down the road only to finally gave up on the short cut and turned around. I had enough adventure, and just wanted to head home even if it was longer. On the way home I thought about the incident and realized, I did okay seeing my vulnerabilities and making a plan if they had turned out to be dangerous. Then it occurred to me. They might have sensed my willingness to fight if pushed and their little voices, were screaming to leave. Nice turn of events. This time.
I'm 43 years old now and I still remember it like it was yesterday. I was 29 at the time, it was October and the trees were already in full fall colors. My parents and I were in a cabin fever mood and the fact that I hadn't spent very much time with them in the past five or so years, we decided to pack up the RV and go to Truman Lake for some bow hunting. Mom was excited because we were doing something together for a change, and it felt good to be home again. We left on a Friday and drove the three hours to the lake and arrived a little afternoon. Now the Army Corp leaves the campsite amenities turned on for the fall deer hunting season so we didn't have to rough it. The area we went to was pretty far into the woods and we were surprised that we were the only campers in the whole park. Well we unloaded the boat and began setting up camp. Now this lake back then was relatively new, only 10 or so years old, so there was a lot of dead fall along the shoreline. And you really had to watch out for stumps under the water of you would throw a prop, not a good thing. Anyways we were looking for deer sign along the bank so we could set up a good blind to hunt from. After about an hour we found a good spot in the back of a deep cove about 20 minutes from camp by boat. So we set up two blinds one on each side of the cove towards the end so it could be covered by both directions, then went back to camp for dinner and some sleep. Well the alarm went off and we were up and getting ready for what we thought was going to be a very fruitful day. Well the first thing that we noticed is that there was no sounds coming from nature. None. Not even a wind was stirring, very odd we thought. But we shrugged it off and started the boat and headed for the blinds. Well we arrived just as the sky was starting to lighten up and we tied the boat about 100 yards from the blinds and proceeded on foot all the while still no sounds at all except for the sounds of us passing. Then it hit us both at the same time, a feeling of dread. Dad looked at me and I at him and we just both shrugged it off as the judders of a new hunting place that we didn't know, and left it at that. When I found the blind that I had set up, or what Wes left of it, I became keenly aware that we were not alone in these woods. There were tracks all over the place what kind I can't say because it was in looser gravel being on the shoreline, but I knew that Ty had not been there yesterday. At my father's blind was the same thing, all strewn around like a warning to leave now. And not to come back. Dad was really riled as was I and we decided to head out and like now, as we got closer to the boat we noticed that something was wrong. It was setting deeper than usual, when we got to it we found that someone or something had punched a hole on the bottom with a big rock that was steel logged in the hull. Now this boat was a base tracker aluminum hull and pretty well built, dad crawled into the boat and turned on the bilge pump and it seemed to help, all the while we felt eyes watching us although we didn't see anything. Dad pumped enough water out to get the boat to get it further on shore so we could patch the hole with a life jacket and duct tape, thank God for duct tape. We cast of and went back to camp and packed up really fast. Mom was wondering why the rush and we didn't dare tell her what we found, she would really freak out, and chalked it up to Dad's driving and the hole in the boat. But we knew the truth and have never been back there since. This is just one of many stories that I have from the outdoors, some more believable than others but all are true. As for the boat, $300 at the welding shop fixed it as good as new, the experience. Priceless.
One night I was walking out of the bushes by moonlight. The afternoon has consisted of a few hours of misting rain, that broke into clear skies right at sunset. I had a pretty decent walk ahead of me, but it was easy walking and the moon was shining bright enough to make my way out since the weather broke. As I was heading out, something occurred that had my insides almost touching cotton. About 25 yards ahead of me, I heard what sounded like a bag of sacrete hitting the ground simultaneous with a guttural growl, then utter silence. When it happened I immediately hit my headlamp, drew my knife and yielded my bow like a ball bat. The next couple miles to the truck I was on edge with my knife in hand. When I got back to the safety of the truck, I did some impartial reflection. I think it was a Bigfoot I bumped into. The wind was in my face on that part of my trek out. I think I walked up on the cryptid, and it had stood on its hind legs to see what I was. Upon realizing it needed to hit the bricks, it came down and let out the air in its diaphragm. I couldn't hear its retreat since the woods were wet from rain. Or it was a Bigfoot orgy that I broke up. Either way, the pucker factor was real. Not sure if this counts or wilderness or not but probably five years ago my ex and I were messing around ghost hunting out on this country road that's kinda of a local legend. It's an incredibly creepy old dirt road framed with old mossy oak trees, anyone from the south knows the type I am talking about and how creepy they can be at night the legend says that there were once seven churches on this road but at the time there were only four still standing, one of them was basically ruins, two were abandoned but still intact and one is still in use. I haven't been out there in many years but I believe that the abandoned and ruined ones have since been demolished. We started out checking out the abandoned ones, they were incredibly creepy, one looks to have been built back in the slave era and was just a big open room, the other more modern and still has pews strewn around in it and other wrecked crap they all had small graveyards surrounding them so we snooped around them for a while taking pictures never seeing anything ghostly, just general creepiness. Of course we were being respectful of the dead and the buildings themselves, a lot of other people had been in there and trashed them and spray painted on some of them but we didn't do that crap. After checking out the abandoned churches and not seeing anything we went down the road a bit further to the church that is still in use. We snooped inside the windows, not disturbing anything of course, and took pictures and walked around the graveyard, this is all after dark near midnight mind you so it's pretty dang creepy. At one point my ex said she saw something that looked suspicious inside the church so we shined our lights in the windows but didn't see anything. Probably just some sort of shadow we though. After still not seeing anything definite we walked around to the side of the church where my truck was parked, she got in on the driver's side and was settling into in the middle of the seat and then she looked back at the church and completely froze, wide-eyed and motionless. I'll never forget this. And it still gives me chills every time I tell about it or type it. I asked her what was wrong and we did the classic horror movie scene. Her there's something in the window. Me, ha, huh, sure there is. That's not funny her, no really. Look. Then I turned around and saw what she saw. In one of the small windows on the side of the church there was something, I still don't know what, but it looked almost like a small face and it was doing kind of a bobbing motion, almost like an owl does, 
in a slow arc from one side of the window to the other back and forth like it was looking at us curiously and examining us. I started kind of a nervous laughter and jumped my ass in the truck said something cheesy like okay. It's time to go. We're out of here started it up and pulled out of the parking lot. It didn't really sink in for a minute or so what we just saw, then I started thinking about it and became extremely creeped out. But what happened next was another classic horror movie scene. As we were driving along the dark creepy dirt road, both of us freaking out and trying to figure out what it could be I saw a huge shape leap out in front of the truck, all I saw was shape, brown fur and horns. It was a huge freaking buck. Luckily I didn't evacuate my bowels or hit the thing. But that really capped off the night. Even to this day I still try to think about what that could possibly have been we saw in the window of the church. I can only come up with two possible logical things to explain it away, but neither of them are that plausible. There was a faint pole light outside the church so one explanation would be that light was reflected off either my driver's side window as I was hodling the door open and reflecting it onto the church window, however, we were a good 50 feet away from the church so any motions I caused in the door would have reflected in a much greater arc on the church and would not have stayed within the bounds of the church window. So I've had to throw that one out. The only other thing I can think of is some sort of animal in the church, but the church was in use and the doors were closed up for the night. Plus the face looked distinctly humanoid. I still don't have an answer. I'd like to share something that happened last summer. If any of you are familiar with the Edisto River in South Carolina then you know it is fairly swampy and slow moving, especially when you are miles away from the tidal portion. Some friends that I have known since high school and I decided to go on an overnight kayaking trip. The plan was to launch in Dorchester County at my friend's river house which is perhaps 50 miles from the ocean and to go as long as we could. Of course this wasn't much since none of us are experienced kayakers. Anyways, we set out in the morning and paddled all day along the narrow river taking brief breaks to eat and rest. There are some nice sandy river banks on the river but we didn't want to make camp on sand since it is pretty miserable if it gets in your tent. However, it was starting to get dark so we figured it was necessary to stop at the next bank so we could set up camp with some daylight. So we stopped at the next bank, around 8 p.m., and found a clearing past the sand. There were dozens of animal bones including skulls scattered all over the place, but night approaching fast gave us limited options so we decided to clear the area of bones and pitch the tent. The bones were odd for two reasons, the amount of them there and the fact that none of the other six or so riverbanks we rested it had any. Still, nothing too odd of course. That night around 2am I woke up with a feeling of intense unease. Wide awake I sat up in the tent and instinctively grabbed my machete. As I listened intently I could make out a woman's shrill voice drifting in from the direction of the river. It sounded like she was screaming but I couldn't make out any words. I woke the others up and they heard her as well. Of course the water could have been carrying the sound from someone's river house from down the river but that was just a downright creepy place. I have no explanation from the intense feeling of danger I got as I woke up. 
My friend's theory is that occultists use the bank we unwittingly camped at to sacrifice animals. Ridiculous sounding I realize but who knows? Thankfully, we were so exhausted from the day of paddling we were able to fall asleep a half hour or so later. I nearly killed myself running away from a shadow once. I was in the swamp alone one evening and the light was getting low. I heard noises coming from my left so I flipped my Mini 14 around grabbed a 30 road mag and eased along the path. I heard what sounded like something walking the creek with the occasional splashes, mud slugging sound and twig snaps. But the eerie part was when I got to the fire break a shadowy something kinda did the hop across the break. I just froze, tried to ease the rifle up and breathe calmly. I had to go that way. I stood there frozen about two minutes when something told me to run. I took off as fast as I could. The swamp is known for bear, little ones, bobcat, Florida typer panthers and wild hogs. I ran about 500 yards before coming out to my S10 blazer. I jumper and locked the doors and cranked that darling up. The next day a friend and I Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Went back. He saw what I saw bear track. Back in the early 70s I was about 8 years old and my mom and I were on our way back home to Maryland. My grandparents lived in Virginia and we visited every weekend. My dad had stayed in Virginia that week because it was deer season and we were driving home late Sunday night. Well 35 years ago Route 50 was just a narrow twisting desolate road and it was a very cold clear night. I'm in the back passenger side watching out at the darkness when we pass by this large cow pasture with a small pond which was no more than 75 yards from the road. And on the edge of the pond is this bright blue beam of light about 6 feet high but nothing else around. It was that different kind of blue like an LED produces and very bright. 
Mom saw it at the same instant but got freaked out and would not turn around to go back. Like I said we traveled this road every week, so as a bored kid I knew every bump, curve, tree and fence post along the way and we knew that there were no houses or any other sources of light there. We got home in record time that night. My stepmother had a house in Connecticut a couple of years ago. She and my dad said it was haunted and that ghosts would mess with people. One story went that my cousin was really sick and almost had to go to the emergency room and stayed the night because it was close to the hospital. Well in the middle of the night an older lady came and talked to both my cousin and his father saying how she protected the house and made sure all the children were safe and the house was safe. My uncle passed it off the next morning and thought it was just a dream, but his son was 100% better. At breakfast my cousin turns to my uncle and says daddy, who was that lady we were talking to last night? They have yet to say in the house again. When the house was being remodeled, a worker had the great task of pulling down the old ceilings and walls all plaster of course, to put up new drywall. Every night he would leave his tools in the main hallway so that he could get to work the next morning. Every day he had to search the house for the tools, as the ghosts moved them. He never spent the night in the house, and said he will never do so. Now on to my story. I spent the night there two nights. Both were very interesting. I was there with my girlfriend wife now, sister, brother, dad and stepmother visiting the state among other things. About 12 AM we all hear this god awful noise coming from the attic used to be slave quarters, and it won't stop. Then all the doors upstairs start to slam and reopen, slam and reopen. We all slept in the same room and everyone was accounted for. Later in the night, several other doors started opening and closing. You just get this fear inside you. If you have experiences like this you know that fear. The next night we were about to leave and was doing some laundry around 11 or so, so everyone was asleep in the main room. The laundry room backs up to the staircase to what used to be the slave quarters. Something started to walk down the stairs and got to the main landing, in heavy colonial style boots. I about shat myself and ran out of the room. Upon further discovery the house was built in the 1600s, it was one of several houses that his major civil war generals stay and even the president at the time. Several people died at the house, including one solitor, an old caretaker, three to four children, and many slaves. Each of which still continue to haunt the house. It was the creepiest thing I have ever dealt with. To this day I can still remember the hair standing up on my neck. I got settled into my Walton after a very adventurous day of driving through a blizzard, navigating a rock slide across the road and basically having a long rough day. I managed to get a bit liquored up while setting up my tent and getting the stove going. I was cold from being wet most of the day and hit the cot early at about 8pm. I was starting to dream about the big mule deer I would be hunting in the morning when I heard a noise outside. I then spotted a glowing object circling my tent. Martian, I thought to myself. Naked and scared crapless I pointed my rifle barrel out the tent door at the glowing object. It was a dog with a glow in the dark collar. 
I laughed out loud with relief. I wandered out and saw another hunter was setting up camp about a half km away from me. I parked my quad and set up my tent one night using the headlight since it was pitch black outside. I just got comfortable for the night's sleep. I heard a faint squeak squeak sound as it got louder. Then it slowly moved past my tent as the sound faded away. I heard the sound of breaking branches in the distance. It was the fastest I've ever flipped my safety on my rifle as I bolted out of my tent with flashlights in hand held up against my rifle to start jacking bullets at the charging bear. No matter where I looked there was nothing. What the heck was that sound? Nothing to be seen for 500 feet in any direction. Damn. What a way to spend a night not knowing what it was since I was dead beat. Next morning I got up to light a fire and cook my coffee. My quad was gone. I looked at where it was and I seen tracks going past my pup tent as the ridge I was on tappered downward slope. I followed the tracks and sure enough I soon realized that it was my quad that slowly rolled past my tent. Down the hill. I wasn't aware of in the dark. It crashed into the trees down below. Good thing it didn't run over me. Nil for damages to quad and I found out that the one brake pad was draging. Nothing like a walk in the morning to retrieve the quad. At least it was all downhill. My best friend Tyler, his grandparents own 150 acres in Caldwell, Texas. We have gone hunting at night with a thermal scope on a suppressed rifle multiple times. On different occasions we would bring one other friend out so they could shoot at pigs or coyotes. On this particular night we brought our friend Bobby with us. Usually walking around with three people at night is loud so Tyler decided to wait in the center of the property. Bobby and I are walking around with the thermal scope and sees absolutely nothing. After walking around for about 20 to 30 minutes we decide to let Tyler know we are heading his way. Bobby and I get into a clearing about 200 to 300 yards long and at the end of the clearing to the left is where Tyler is at. We get about halfway through and see what looks to be a bottle rocket shoot across sky, it appeared to be a few feet long but very skinny, the sparks that shot out of it were about four times as wide as the object and twice the length of the object. The object made no sounds whatsoever. So it shot across the sky like a bottle rocket, Huge spark trail then vanished into nothing. I look at my friend Bobby and say what the F was that? He just looked at me and laughed and nonchalantly said that was a UFO. So at this point, I could care less about hunting and I was really interested in telling Tyler. Bobby said we shouldn't tell him because we would sound crazy. Well sure enough, Tyler thought we were crazy. I have been hunting multiple times after that and have never seen anything like that again in my life. Took my wife hunting and put her in a shooting house over a big green field, I was about a half mile away but left the truck close to her so she could get warmer quick after the hunt. It gets dark so I get down and start walking to the truck to meet up and I hear a group of coyotes start to howl and making lots of noise. Wasn't sure exactly where they were but the hair on the back of your neck starts to stand up.
Get to the truck and no wifey, long after dark she should have been there easily. I start the truck and start heading to the stand and here she comes almost running saying the yotes were in the field and they had ran her back to the shooting house after she had gotten down at dark. I started laughing and she didn't think it was funny at all. Didn't tell her they kinda scared me too. One time I was fall turkey hunting in central Michigan and I hiked in a ways from the road and set up a little bivy camp in some ferns and pines. When I was laying down I couldn't be seen and that's how I wanted it. I had no fire that night and wanted to see what would be around in the morning. I wake out of a sound sleep around 1 to 2 a.m. to the sound of crunching leaves. I was startled but could tell it was animal sounds not human. I always worry about people way more than animal that's why I also had my Glock 43, which only holds 8 rounds with my plus 1 mag extension and 1 in the pipe. So I slowly roll over to where I can quickly grab my crossbow after I dump my magazine and I realized I was being encircled by coyotes. By the moonlight I could see what looked to be at least 5 to 8 yotes closing in fast. They were about 10 yards from me at this point or closer I was about to start shooting when I decided to yell first. I'm glad I did because they high-tailed it out of there and I didn't have to deafen myself with gunfire. After about 5 minutes I had a sense of calmness come over me and fell back asleep surprisingly sleeping very well until dawn. Not really a scary story but it's all I have. I camp with a Glock 19 now with spare mags. The thing that kept going through my mind was I don't have a spare mag once these are gone that's it got one more shot with the crossbow than it's hand to hand with me using a bolt with a broad head. So it's not what happened to me, but a friend of mine and I unintentionally scared the ever-living shit out of someone. A couple of friends rent a small hut in the woods to party. It's between two villages and somewhere at four in the morning everybody went to sleep. So my friend and I lived in the next village, didn't really wanted to camp that night and thought yeah we can ride that one old bicycle without any lights together. It's just a couple of kilometers downhill. Of course we had weg beer with us, so we kinda started a burping contest while riding, burping words and names, giggling like idiots. I remember there was no moon, there were no stars. Halfway to the village, out of nowhere this bald guy in white shorts, white shirt and a backpack appeared in front of us swinging a tennis racket and shouting come here. So we, completely drunk, panicked and started screaming almost falling off the bike while driving high speed. Conan the tennis player shouting turned into a high-pitched shriek and he jumped into the cornfields. I never saw that guy again. I don't want to know what Eldritch shit must have been going in his mind at that moment. Lived in a fairly rural area as a kid. My parents' house has a long driveway. I was probably around 8 or 9 but one evening my mother and I kept hearing this engine revving coming down the driveway. It would rev for a few seconds and then stop. Then start again. We couldn't see the end of our driveway but it had to be there. Was really spooky at the time. My mother ended up getting a neighbor to come over and investigate. He drove down the driveway and found nothing. But we could still hear the engine revving. 
sounded like it was 50 yards away. Turns out, there was a NASCAR race going on at a track that's maybe 20 miles from our house. Something about the sound carrying made it seem like it was right outside. Me and my cousins were little and messing around on my grandparents' property. They had a few acres of wooded land we explore every summer. One day we are messing around in some mud when I noticed a hand print that was the size of a baby. I pointed it out to my cousins. We all just looked at it trying to figure out how it got there. That night we are taking with my grandpa and he says it was probably a raccoon print they often look like the handprint of a baby. The next day we went out to do some more exploring. We end up at the same patch of mud and decide to do some investigating of the print. A few feet off to the side we see another hand print and just a few inches behind it is a baby's footprint. We were told we were lying by our grandparents and nothing ever came of it, but I think about it every now and then. At my grandparents' property in northern Washington state there is a known local criminal. This a-hole is known to steal from anyone and everyone in the county and sells the stolen goods at the flea market, but he's connected locally so gets away with it I guess? I don't know the full story there. I do know that my grandpa has lost tools and my uncle and cousin next door have lost rifles. This shitbag was squatting on the property across the highway from my grandparents' property when that property was up for sale on year and I was up cutting back brush for grandpa and found myself a drone. It was broken and not recoverable, but the SD card was still intact. I started digging into the SD card to see if I could find the owner and return it thinking it was from someone camping in the area or something. What I found was some creepy-ass videos of said local criminal doing various things, smoking crack or meth, him and some toothless local lady bumping uglies, drone recon of people's places he was likely going to hit, including my grandparents' place, wrapping firewood in bundles to sell to locals, and then some video of him prowling on property but nothing of him breaking in. I tried to give the SD card to the county sheriff as evidence of this a-hole's crime, but the sheriff's office didn't want it. I left the SD card with my grandparents in case they got their shit stolen again. When I was a kid I was playing outside my house alone at dusk. I was pushing a toy truck around when all of a sudden I heard a roar, yell, echoing from the woods around my house. It was enough to make me run inside and hide. To this day, I have no idea what it was. I've never heard anything quite like it since, and I jokingly tell people I heard Bigfoot. It was maybe an injured or dying cougar, but what it sounded most like to my child brain was the yell Goliath makes when breaking out of stone in Disney's Gargoyles. I've been to Bragg Road in Saratoga, Texas. It's only an hour and a half where I live. It's also called Ghost Road. Look it up. It's creepy. It's a 8-mile dirt road that used to be railroad tracks back in the day. Well at night if you're on the road you can see what looks like a train light either in front of or behind your car and it follows you. 
got right up to our car from behind and scared the shit out of me. Legend has it it's some guy looking for his head with a lantern but it clearly looks like a train light. I don't recommend going there now meth heads have taken over that road and you can't drive very fast so easy to get robbed if you aren't prepared. I was on a camping trip with a few family members in Wisconsin. My cousin and I had our bikes with us and were roaming the woods as kids do in the late 90s with no other means of entertainment. It was getting late and near dark, so we decided to head back. What we stumbled upon was a giant, at least to kid me, fire in the middle of a huge clearing in the woods and a ton of people hanging around. We were young and dumb and wanted to take a closer look. I don't remember what we saw exactly, but we did get chased out of there by some people. Never pedaled so fast in my life. I just googled it and the campground no longer exists. I actually have two stories. The first is something that happened to my cousin and I when we were preteens, maybe eight or nine. It was Saturday and I was spending the whole weekend with her. Her parents had left to go buy some snacks from us from the old gas station down the road, maybe a 40 to 45 minute trip. We had been playing outside with one of her balls, so they just let us stay home. After all, we knew all the rules of don't talk to strangers and how to call 911. She only had one neighbor, but I'm pretty sure the house was in the process of being sold at this point, so no one was living in it. We were supposed to be completely alone with no one else on the road. Her house was right across from a huge cornfield. The corn was taller than is right then, and we never went into it. The sun was setting over the cornfield and it was starting to get darker. I threw the ball to my cousin and it flew over her head. When she turned around to grab it, I glanced at the cornfield. A man was standing there, in a long black coat and a cowboy hat. The sun was behind him so I couldn't see his face or anything else, but he had to have been tall, really tall to stand over the corn like that. I stopped completely and said, cousin, do you see that? She looked at the cornfield and dropped the ball, saying that she saw it too. The entire time, this person never moved. I don't remember who ran first but we took off towards the house and slammed the door behind us. We locked both the front and back doors and shoved a chair under it, covered all the windows and hid in her parents' room with the door locked. I think the house phone was dead or we couldn't find it, but I know we ended up not calling her parents. When they got back home, they couldn't open the door, because there was a wooden chair shoved under the door knob, which was the intention, so they knocked on their own bedroom window. We heard them yelling for us to open the door. When we did, I looked outside and the tall man was gone, so it definitely wasn't a scarecrow. Her parents never believed us, but we didn't outside for a long time after that. I'm also pretty sure that we lost the ball we had been playing with, because I never remember seeing it again. The second story is about chimneys. The town where I'm from has an old wives tale that when there is an old chimney and nothing else around it, the chimney is a fey home and a way to get to the fey world. The stories also go that these chimneys will pop up in random abandoned places, and then disappear when the fairies get what they want. It seems silly, 
but there have been times I've driven down roads 100 times, only to see an old, vine-wrapped chimney in a place I know it had not been before. I'll drive past it for days, looking at it. After a week or so, I'll drive past it again and it just won't be there anymore. Not destroyed or removed because the grass and trees won't be affected, it just won't be there anymore. I've never figured out what happens if you touch one or give an offering to the Fae, I also don't intend to, but the stories go that if you touch or enter the chimney, you will be sent to the Fae realm, and giving them an offering is inviting them into your home, where they will cause mischief or harm depending on their whim. I live in a small farm town called Weagufka it's down near central Alabama USA but my worst experience was in a bigger more known farm town called Fayetteville which is about 30 minutes away. I was about 13 and me, my dad, his, at the time girlfriend, and her kids were out visiting an old graveyard and I walked over to the end of the graveyard and was looking at a gravestone I thought stood out I leaned against the fence while looking at the grave trying to figure out why it stood out as I was looking at it I heard a snarl to my right just over the fence it was getting dark so I couldn't see that far into the brush I took a few steps back as the snarling stopped for whatever reason I walked back up to the fence the snarling started again as well as some heavy footsteps towards I took off and went straight to the others which luckily were getting ready to leave so I jumped in the truck with them as was silent the whole way home. I didn't go back to Fayetteville again for a few years not if I could help it. This was years ago, when I was only 7 to 8 years old. My friend and I were playing out in my backyard which was very large so we're out of sight and earshot from my house, which wasn't super uncommon. We lived in a neighborhood surrounded by several different farms so every plot of land was two to three acres at least. Suddenly my friend stops and grabs me to stand still. Then we hear this low, humming growling noise. Like something you hear off the Discovery Channel. My first instinct was to run but my friend had the good sense to keep still and not make any sudden movements. So we very slowly and methodically made our way back to my house which ended up being a longer walk than normal because of how slow we were. I guess the thing wasn't hungry because it let us alone and didn't chase us. So we get back to my house and once we thought we were close enough sprinted inside and screamed to my mom that there was something out there. But we were young so we didn't know what it was. So she gets online and we start searching up animal sounds and we hear the sound of a panther slash cougar. That's it. That's what we heard my mom immediately calls animal control and next day on the news we see that a black cougar was sighted, caught and captured in my area. I can't remember what led to the animal escaping but there was a guy who was arrested for neglecting proper enclosure for all his exotic animals. This happened to a local man. He had gone out to feed some animals on his farm before breakfast. He came back in while Ma was cooking breakfast. As they sat down to eat they heard a vehicle pull in and a door close. No one came to the door so he became curious and went to investigate. As he walked by his barn he noticed the ass end of a pickup truck protruding from behind one of the outbuildings. He went over to investigate and was looking around the property. Suddenly he notices a man, 
standing on a three-rung stepladder, banging one of his cows in the arse. He called the popo and the man was arrested. This got big radio play in central New York for about a week. One night, my mom, my partner, and myself were driving out of town. And as we near a really open area in the middle of the night, a light flew over us. The weird part is it didn't look like a plane, planes aren't that bright. And it seemed either really big, or a lot closer to the ground. It also didn't make any sound, not like a helicopter or a plane, which I've personally had fly over where I lived and they are noticeably loud. The light itself was quite bright, not enough to light up the inside of the car, but enough to be clearly visible and not just a small speck. Really really odd. I consider it to be a UFO sighting. But there's no real way to know what it actually was. It flew over, and it was just gone. We were all really creeped out by it. I'm still not sure if it was a drone, it could have been, but this was rural, like middle of nowhere rural. People that far out of town don't typically use drones, and definitely not in the middle of the night. Leaving my grandmother's place in Nowhere, Texas, we were going home, 8 hours, drive so we left at 3 am. My daughter was a baby at the time and threw up so we had to pull over by this field of tall something, corn? No idea not a farmer. I am at the back of the Tahoe changing her everything and wiping out the car seat when I hear voices a lot of them. My husband and I cannot figure out where it is coming from. He pulls out his hunting rifle and starts telling me to hurry up. There is no hurry up when you're dealing with an infant baby wipe bath situation, but I did my best and we got the heck out of there. This was 13 years ago and we still talk about how creepy that was. I live near a road with like three different haunted spots, there's a cemetery, an old house that's burned down, and a house that was the site of the most police documented haunting in the country or something. There's always cars stopped on the road in the middle of the night, I've driven down it on my way home from bonfires and parties and it doesn't matter if it's midnight or 3am, I feel like most of the time I see a car there, a lot of the time there's a light on inside and a handful of times. There's been people standing outside just hanging out in the dark. I have a friend that visited the cemetery with friends once night and was talked to by a kinda creepy guy that drove away. He came back around 10 minutes later and stopped right behind them, another car came up and stopped right next to them, a third car was driving toward them but she started the car and drove away fast before it got to them. To this day she's pretty sure they were going to try to box her in and hates going to this spot still. I used to live in a countryside in Italy. I had my room on the second story of the house, right above the main entrance. We had a lot of animals, in those times I remember we had like 4 to 5 dogs, all medium slash big sized. I was like 10-11 when this happened, one night I was trying to sleep, when I started hear my dogs growling and barking, all together. It was annoying at first because it was happening often those nights, like to weeks or so. But this time, 
They continued for too long. And one was whining. I got curious and looked out the window, thinking they were fighting in front of the entrance, I heard them really close, but didn't saw them. Tried to call them one by one, but no one stopped or showed up, and the growls, barks and whining worsen. Eventually I fell asleep. The next day, when we opened the entrance door, we saw a massive splash of blood on the side wall. But like, really big, and round. Like if you threw a blood-filled balloon on the wall. I checked all the dogs, looked for all the cats, the chickens, all my possible animals, but everyone was fine. Even the Maremin sheepdog, with her blood-covered neck. She was fine, the blood wasn't hers. I believe they killed some animal from the forest nearby, but definitely not a fox, the sound was too dog-like. Maybe a lone wolf. Or a soundless animal was attacking one of the pack, and the others killed it. I will never know. Probably around 2009 or 2010, I was living with my father and stepmother at my stepmother's house, along with four step-siblings. The house was situated off of a dirt road, about half of a mile off the road, surrounded by timber. On the east side of the house, there was an opening in the trees. If you went at this opening and looked north, you would see a trail that went downhill into a creek that ran through the property, then it would go uphill and level out and become a field that was on the other side of the timber that surrounded the house. The field ran east and west, and it was ran the entire distance that the house was off the road, so a half-mile field. One day, my biological brother comes over to visit. He didn't live with myself and my dad due to a falling out over who my dad married. Stepmom wasn't a very nice person and my brother didn't want to deal with that so he moved out and instead lived with my grandparents. When it was dark, myself, my brother, and my stepbrothers, along with a few of their friends, decided to play hide and go seek in the dark, a fun game to play when one lives out in the sticks. I was chosen to be the seeker the first round. By the time we started the game it was pitch black out, except for the one yard light we had near the shed that was towards the south end of the property. I counted to whatever number and began my search, equipped with a flashlight to help aid in my search. I started off on the west side of the property and worked my way around to the east side of the property. I was walking towards the opening in the trees that lead to the path that went to the field, when I saw what looked like my brother immediately dart from the south side of the opening, sprinting to the north, heading towards the trail. I was probably 40 yards from the opening when I seen him. I hollered out that I spotted him. In our game, when a person is spotted, that's the end of the round and the person who was found first becomes the seeker. After he said I spotted him, the remaining players started coming out of their hiding spots. However, when I glanced to my right towards the shed, there was brother walking towards me. He was probably 100 yards away from myself and the opening leading to the trail. I started to become confused because I know I had just seen him dart across this opening leading to the field, so how the hell is he now 100 yards away, in the opposite direction I saw the figure running. My brother approached me and asked who I found, and I answered I thought I had found him. He also became confused, and I explained what had just occurred. 
Upon confirming that no one else had been near the area I saw the figure, we all bolted inside the house, where I told my dad what had occurred. Naturally, my dad, my brother, and myself each took a rifle and went to the spot I had seen the individual. With flashlights, we looked around. We didn't see anyone, there were no tracks in the freshly rained on dirt, no bent over grass from being stepped on, no trace whatsoever. To this day I do not know who that was, but I'm sure as hell glad I didn't take off in pursuit. <laughs>